Hello, Forever family. My name's Shannon. I'm the recovery pastor. And in this message, we're going to continue the talk about accountability. So in the recovery ministry, accountability is critical. And it doesn't matter how far along you are in recovery, whether it's the first day or your 30th year, accountability is critical. But let's be honest, the world lacks the checks and balances for accountability. And it's not that there's a lacking everywhere, but we do see a lacking in parts of the world. I mean, we could sit here and just talk about topics on the news and see that there's a lack of accountability. So in the previous message, we had heard the passage of Romans 14, 12 that says, So then each of us shall give account of himself to God. And then he goes on to say, Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather solve, resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or a cause of fall in our brother's path. Okay, so let's dive in. The first thing we're going to do is look at what it means to actually be a partner in accountability. So we must realize first that accountability requires self-evaluation, pure motives, and an absence of hypocritical judgment. And that's first towards our own selves. We are our hardest judge when we look in the mirror. But we must look in the mirror and take a long look at ourselves. We can't hold someone else accountable to a standard that we're not willing to hold ourselves accountable to as well. Our walk must match our talk. So when it does then, people are more willing to hear what we have to say when we speak truth and love about their situation because they've seen us grow in our walk. But when we're talking to someone and our walk doesn't match our talk, everything we say falls on deaf ears because we're hypocrites. So by saying this, what I'm saying is accountability is a two-way street. Accountability partners should be mature, just constantly maturing in Christ, and they need to invest time in their accountability relationship with each other. So if you've gone through a step study in recovery, then you know it takes time to work each step. And then as a result, you know that you're actually investing time in the lives of those that are in your group also. You're not just investing time in your own journey. It is a group effort. It becomes your trust group when you're in a recovery group like that. Now, we also know this requires a lot of confidence. You got to be confident in the process. You got to understand that the process takes time. And as a result of the process, we will see healing in areas of our lives and in the lives of those around us. So let's dive in and talk about the types or the categories of accountability. Now, practically in every area of our life, we have to be accountable. Someone may seek accountability in areas of completing specific tasks, in their finances, learning to be a healthy communicator. Um, they may need uh, accountability in the attitudes that they have at work or even the attitudes toward their work environment. Those are two different things. Maybe you need accountability in developing new habits, such as Bible study time, or just simply dedicating time to read a book. 
Maybe you're trying to develop and maintain purity in your lives or something like this. Maybe it's abstinence for, from something. I don't know. That's only a question you can answer. But let me say this. Personal accountability is every person's responsibility. And it's also every Christian's privilege and responsibility. Because when we are someone's accountability partner, that means we're doing life with them. This is scriptural. Let's read 2 Corinthians 5.10. It tells us, For we must all appear before the judge, the judgment seat of Christ. Let me read that again. Sorry, my voice is kind of going out. It says, We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due to us for the things done while in the body whether it's good or bad. You probably hear my phone going off. I'm sorry. Now, I've said this before and I will say this again. Everything we do, we do before an audience of one. When we pray to God, we're praying for God to reveal things, whether we actually say that or not. And sometimes we actually get mad when God reveals things because either we didn't see it in our actions or our lives, or maybe we're not ready to see that part of our lives. It's, it's part of our character defects. We all have them. Now, this should end up being something that you discuss with your accountability partner because we need someone outside of the situation to help us check ourselves when those old habits start becoming normal again. Again, we all have character defects. They're part of our normal way of acting, so we don't always realize when we start doing them again or saying them again. It may be a certain phrase that you grew up hearing, like, I grew up hearing the phrase, you people. That meant somebody outside of my family, my immediate family, or that was my understanding of because of how it was used. But to some people, that's very negative. And when someone expressed that to me, I understood it from their point of view. I don't say that anymore. And if I do, I immediately apologize because I'm trying to change that old habit. But when we fall back into our old habits, it opens a door for opportunities for more prayer, more encouragement of each other, and more investment of time in the presence of God. So now let's, let's talk about the three categories of accountability. Now, I'm, I'm sure there are more categories. We're only going to talk about three. The first category is the restoration accountability. So restorative accountability can restore others to a relationship after they've been involved in a sin situation that was severe enough that it severed the original bond. I don't know about you, but the first thing I think of is when someone steps out of their uh, marriage and they're really trying to work through the process, both people are, to have a restorative, a restored relationship. Well, each person is going to need a restorative accountability partner that's outside the situation, that's emotionally not attached, and sees things for what they are without their emotions interpreting what they are. Galatians 6.1 tells us, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore them gently. But watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. 
If you go to a faith-based recovery program, you've probably heard that scripture a million times. But it's true. We're to walk alongside each other. You see, prior to the to the agreement to be an accountability partner, there must be a genuine repentance on the part of the person who is technically the offender. Also, thorough forgiveness must be part of the accountability. Like, the person that was offended needs to say, I see you're trying to change. I forgive you until you show me you're not changing. So, at that point, then accountability partners can step in and do life together with them to make sure that the repentance and their forgiveness are still part of the covenant between those two people. So now the second category of accountability is preventative accountability. Preventative accountability is sought to guard against our weakness or our sin. Mark 14, 38 tells us, Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. First thing I think of is when Paul says that, he says, my flesh is weak. There are types of preventative accountability and the different areas that, that this would apply. Maybe if you're struggling with sexual faults or actions such as lust or pornography. Maybe it's sins of indulgence um, like greed or gluttony. Maybe it's sins of the tongue, which is like lying, gossip, slandering. Maybe it's sins of omission, such as failure to show compassion. I'm not talking about when somebody is harping, 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 and you've heard it a million times and the story's not changing. I'm talking about when we emotionally just check out of this world because it's easier than to actually invest time in each other. You have to think about it. You know, for someone who travels on their job, for instance, they might set up an accountability for their time when they're away from their family to keep their integrity in check. There are also many areas where it can fall into this category, but I think at this point you, you get the point where there would be an accountability partner set up for this. The third category is constructive accountability. Now this category is, it's where most of us probably begin, especially if you're working recovery steps. Constructive accountability has a foundation of encouragement in developing behaviors in our spiritual growth. You know, these groups may meet for six months or they may meet up to a year. And then they may follow a specific Bible study pattern or they may operate like a book club. But it's a set day and time. They meet for a set amount of time. And that's their accountability time to be face to face and to talk through life situations. Hebrews 10.23 tells us, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Let me also say this. If you're going through the recovery step study, please do not feel as if you have to have all the answers at first. I tell everyone that goes through the step study, just go through it several times. In the last 10 years, I've been through it nine times. Every time I go through it, God brings something else to the surface that I need to deal with or I need to heal from. But it's all in God's timing. You know, to dig up everything in our past all at once and try to heal from it all at once, that's too much. 
our minds would absolutely explode. We need to celebrate each moment in our recovery. We need to learn from it, and we need to allow time for those new habits to form and our thinking to change. Let's be honest, we all suffer from what's called stinking thinking. And we all have that in some area. You don't believe me? Ask yourself if there's an area where you feel completely unloved, unwanted, and unequipped to handle your situation alone. If you answered yes, then in that area you have stinking thinking. And you probably need to heal from some kind of trauma that may even go all the way back to your childhood. But you've buried it deep down. Now, I know a lot of people are like, nope, I'm good, don't have any trauma, I'm good. It may be something as simple as you never had one of your parents say, I'm proud of you. And now you may be an overachiever seeking just for that one person that's important in your life to say, I'm proud of you. It's okay. We all have something. So we know that when we're trying to do the next right thing and, and in each step of our walk, the enemy is always trying to kick our feet out from under us. So now let's talk about the enemies of accountability. Now, some of these enemies are denial and lying. If we read 2 Samuel 12, 1 through 7, this is where Nathan rebukes Daniel. The Lord sent Nathan to David. And when he came to him, he said, There were two men in a certain town, one rich and the other poor. Well, if you read through 2 Samuel 12, 1 through 7, what we're finding out is basically this is a type of parable where Nathan is pointing out David's shortcomings without pointing a bony finger of righteous indignation. Let's be honest. We all need a Nathan in our lives as accountability partners. Now, if you're listening to this and your name's Nathan, you might need to find another Nathan. I'm just saying. But if we also look at Colossians 3, 9-10, it says, Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put, it, put on a new self, which is being renewed in knowledge and in the image of its creator. You see, if a person's not willing to admit they've made mistakes and they have failures, then there's no way they can have accountability. It's a two-way street. It's a partnership. Lying about any part of your recovery does not help in the process. The process requires us to be raw and real, and that opens the door for healing. You know, other obstacles of accountability, they include blame and pride. Humility is a cornerstone for accountability. Romans 12, 16 through 19 says, Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to assist with people of low position. Do not be conceited. It goes on to say, Do not repay evil with evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge. It also says, leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, 
It is mine to revenge. I will repay, says the Lord. You know, I've had so many times in my life where I'm just so angry. And I will hear the Spirit say to me, Vengeance is mine. Get out of the way. I have to. Because if I take on vengeance, then I'm committing a sin. And I'm hurting somebody that probably did not deserve to be hurt. You know, it's it's not always easy to make ourselves completely vulnerable to scrutiny, especially if you've experienced having someone in your life that may have had a predator mentality. If you've experienced someone who reacts to you with this prideful attitude and is very boastful about the areas of your life where you feel a failure, then they're not there to help you. They are only there to gloat in your misery because they cannot face the only er their own areas in their life where there's been failures. I said it. Yes, I said what I said. Encouragement should be used in accountability instead of insults. So what are the results of being an accountability partner? Accountability brings the whole body of Christ together in a supportive way to encourage each other as we continue to grow in Christ. It allows the development and the use of our spiritual gifts, and it promotes unity in our group. You know, we grow by doing the next right thing in God's eyes. And sometimes doing the next right thing means we do it alone. Sometimes there are people standing around us that are not ready to do the next right thing. And that's okay. But you know, this, this group, your accountability group, becomes your literally your spiritual ride or die group. Because if we are not helping each other and being accountable to each other and with each other, then we might not make it to eternity and see each other again. So it is our spiritual ride or die group. Through accountability, our faith is strengthened by the examples of each other's walk in obedience to the will of God. I always say this too. Every time you fall down, there's somebody watching you to see how you get back up. They're watching you because when they were younger, they were never, never taught coping skills or how to duck and weave when life throws punches. So the way you get up and the way you handle life situations you're teaching them how to do the same thing, whether you realize it or not. I want to leave you with this final passage for today. Proverbs 12, 14 through 16 says, From the fruit of their lips, people are filled with good things, and the works of their hands brings them reward. The way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. Fools show their Annoyance at once, but the prudent overlook the insults. I hope that you've gotten something out of today's message. Maybe God's put somebody in your path that really needs you to step up and be an example to them. Whatever the situation is, I pray many blessings over you. And always remember, speak life, be a blessing. Put your faith feet into action to cause a positive ripple effect. 
Because if you don't like how things look around you, change begins with you. Until next time, much agape, everybody. <laughs>